from the High Center Studios of Messiah College, located between East Street and the darkness on the edge of town here in Grantham, Pennsylvania. This is the Wave Improvement Leads Home Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion dedicated to American history, historical thinking, and the role of history in our everyday lives. And now, here's your host, author and award-winning historian, John Fia. Thank you, Drew, and welcome to episode 60 of the Way of Improvement Leads Home podcast. We are glad you've joined us. If you follow the music world these days, you know that Bruce Springsteen is hot right now. In 2016, Springsteen released his memoir, appropriately titled Born to Run. It immediately skyrocketed up the New York Times bestseller list. A year later, the boss took the stage with Springsteen on Broadway, a musical adaptation of his memoir that ran at the Walter Kerr Theater in New York from October 2017 through December 2018. Then came a new studio album entitled Western Stars, an homage to the popular music emanating out of Southern California in the 1970s. Think Burt Bacharach, Jimmy Webb, and Glenn Campbell. But Springsteen didn't stop there. Since he didn't do any touring for Western Stars, he decided to make a concert film so his fans could see him performing the new music. Filmed in the horse barn at his Colt Neck, New Jersey ranch and at the Joshua Tree National Park in California, Western Stars the movie reveals the same kind of personal reflections on American identity and the human condition that drove both the memoir and the Broadway show. Springsteen is everywhere. In 2019, Warner Brothers released Blinded by the Light, the film adaptation of a memoir by a British-Pakistani writer who fell in love with the boss's music growing up in the 1980s as a child of immigrants in a working-class English town. Earlier this year, scholars Jonathan Cohen and June Skinner Sawyers edited A Long Walk Home, Reflections on Bruce Springsteen. It is a collection of essays published by Rutgers University Press with chapters titled, quote, Springsteen's American Dream, unquote, and, quote, Springsteen's Political Journey from Born in the USA to American Skin, unquote. We have explored Springsteen's work a few times as well here at the New Way of Improvement Leads Home podcast. Some of you may recall our Episode 9 interview with Mark Dolan, author of Bruce Springsteen and the Promise of Rock and Roll. And more recently, we chatted a bit about Springsteen with Avett Brothers bass player Bob Crawford. Check out Episode 53 for his story about texting with the boss. It is indeed a great time to be a Springsteen fan. Those of us who have traveled with Bruce's music over the years can't help but conclude that he no longer seems to be running. The artist who made his bones singing about pulling up roots, breaking free, and desiring something more than what the streets of Freehold, New Jersey had to offer him, may have actually made it to that place where he really wants to go, that place where he can finally walk in the sun. Maybe Springsteen, like all of us, was born for this, born to run home. It is thus fitting that Springsteen's recent resurgence is now accompanied by a museum exhibit that interprets the place he continues to call home. 
Springsteen's Hometown is the title of an exhibit at the Monmouth County Historical Association in Freehold, New Jersey, and it recently opens to rave reviews. And those reviews are merited. I had a chance to tour the exhibit earlier this month, and as a Springsteen fan and an American historian, was very impressed with what I saw. So today on the podcast, I'm giving myself a little Christmas present that I am also sharing with all of you. Stay tuned for an interview with the exhibit's curator, public historian and Monmouth University professor, Melissa Ziobro. This is going to be fun. Professor Ziobro will be with us in a moment, but first let me tell you how you can connect with our work here. The Way of Improvement Leads Home podcast is a member of the Recorded History Podcast Network. When you get a chance, head over to recordedhistory.net to check out some of our fellow network podcasts. The Way of Improvement Leads Home is brought to you through the generous donations of Lisa DeGuardi, Richard Green, Ron Schooler, Kate Logan, Margaret Graves, and Gretchen Adams. And, as always, thanks to Jennings College Consulting, discovering the right fit for your future. We are a listener-supported podcast, and we keep this going by your generous financial donations. If you like what you hear and you want to support our work, please head over to thewayofimprovement.com and click support, or go directly to our Patreon page at patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash thewayofimprovement. The best way to spread the word about the podcast is to tell a friend. You can follow us at T-W-O-I-L-H podcast on Twitter and on Facebook. If you like an episode, give us a share or a retweet and consider a positive review on iTunes and Stitcher. Our guest today is Melissa Ziobro. She is the Specialist Professor of Public History at Monmouth University in West Long Branch, New Jersey, where she teaches courses in public history, oral history, museum and archival management, and United States history. Ziobro currently serves as the President of Oral History in the Mid-Atlantic region and works regularly with public history organizations such as the Monmouth County Park System, InfoAge Science History Learning Center and Museum, and the National Guard Militia Museum. Prior to her work at Monmouth University, she was a command historian at the U.S. Army Communications Electronics Command at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. She is a published historian in the area of military history and has curated exhibits on Hurricane Sandy and the World War I Centennial. Her current exhibit, which you can see until fall 2020 at the Monmouth County Historical Association in Freehold, New Jersey, is titled Springsteen, His Hometown. Our guest today is Melissa Ziobro from Monmouth University. Melissa, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am really excited about this interview as a diehard Springsteen fan. I'm assuming you're a Springsteen fan as well. I am, although I have gotten to know so many diehard Springsteen fans, fans who could tell you what color shirt he was wearing on stage in 1986 that I right. almost don't feel that I'm allowed to call myself a fan because yeah. 
I grew up listening to his music. It was the music my parents listened to. It's the soundtrack to my childhood. And then I right. grew up and I listened to Nirvana and all that cool stuff. But yeah, definitely a fan. I feel the same way. I mean, I grew up with him, you know, in the 70s, 80s. I know about the diehard fans. You know, I've been yeah. to maybe a couple dozen shows. I'm always embarrassed to say that. I was watching Louis Mazur, the historian who writes about Springsteen from Rutgers. He was on TV. I saw it on YouTube. I wanted these New Jersey channels with Steve Adubato. Well, if you're from New Jersey, you know who Steve Adubato is. And he was saying how he's been to like 200 shows. I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. You know, in fact, I'm so in awe of his dedicated fan base. As you know, from your recent visit, we dedicated a section of the exhibit to the Spring Nuts and his other dedicated fans, because right, I think right. that, you know, they are so much part of the reason that Springsteen has enjoyed such a long and storied career. You see him live, you'll never forget it. It's often described as a spiritual event, and in some ways yep. it is. So the exhibit is Springsteen, his hometown, right? Tell us a little bit about how this thing got started, Melissa, and how you got involved with it. So I happened to just be in the fortunate position of working on the campus of Monmouth University, which has become home to the Bruce Springsteen Archives and Center for American Music. The original collection that ultimately becomes the Bruce Springsteen Archives and Center for American Music was started by Chris Phillips, editor of Backstreets in 2001 a group known as the Friends of the Bruce Springsteen Collection later emerges to help manage and grow this collection of fan memorabilia. It ultimately comes to be known as the Bruce Springsteen Collection. To make a very, very long story short, the Friends group, they run out of storage space. You know, stuff is being held in people's basements. At one yeah. point, it's at the Asbury Park Library. And Monmouth University steps up to give it a home in 2011. When that collection arrives at Monmouth University, it includes about 15,000 items from around the globe. Thanks are really due to Chris and the Friends Group for their efforts. So that arrives at Monmouth. Monmouth dedicates a small building to it, which I think was just so incredibly wonderful. It's in its own building. It's a small cottage. It was a wow. private home. It's cottage yeah. adjacent to the campus it's dedicated to it i believe they have plans and work you know someday down the road to have a large formal archival facility sure. but it comes here and it lives at monmouth and then it gets even more exciting because in january of 2017 the university enters into this partnership with mr springsteen himself whereby monmouth is going to be the home to his official collection his written works photographs etc so now we're merging this friends collection with mr springsteen's personal archives what does that have to do with me? I don't work for the archive. I am the public historian in the Department of History and Anthropology. Mm -hmm. I teach classes in like oral history, museums and archives management, historic preservation. Right. When all of this through stuff started to happen at the university, they wanted to ensure that it was value added for our students as well. And so a call goes out to the faculty, what can your students do with this collection? Yeah. The music industry students certainly do work with the collection, but for my students, it's been this incredible laboratory for them to practice their skills. We've done oral histories for the collection. My students got to interview, for example, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame drummer Vinnie Mad Dog Lopez. Mm -hmm. What an amazing class assignment is that? Recently, they had curated an exhibit here on campus it was in our university library, and the idea was that for the students, they would get to practice everything they'd learned in the textbook all year. A lot of people on campus had heard, oh, the Bruce Archive is here, but what does that mean? Because yeah. it's an archive, and for anyone who's walked into an archive, it's a bunch of stuff in gray boxes, right? It's not a sexy museum with exhibits and labels. 
it's just boxes of stuff. And so the idea was to get this stuff out of the archives, at least some of it, and get it in a place where people could see it. And so this is what my students did over at our university library. This was so well received. We had like no budget and the students, yeah. they worked their tails off and they did a wonderful job, but it was in the library in these existing display cases. But still, people were emailing me. They were coming from across the yeah. country to come see this little exhibit. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so I said, you know, we've got to do something bigger. There's a real opportunity here. So I reached out to the Monmouth County Historical Association. I had worked with them just recently to curate an exhibit to mark the fifth anniversary of Superstorm Sandy. Mm -hmm. But a good working relationship with them. I knew that they were located in Bruce's hometown of Freehold, and I knew they had this beautiful gallery space. Right. So I kind of inquired. I said, hey, would you maybe kind of be interested if? And they immediately said, oh, my God, yes. They're right. the president of their board of trustees, Linda Bricker, and their then acting director, Chuck Jones, were like, oh, my God, yes, of course we want to do a Bruce Springsteen exhibit. So then the next step was, you know, to reach out to Eileen Chapman, who is over here at Monmouth, the director of the Springsteen Archives. And she said, yeah, sure, this sounds great. This wonderful partnership was born all out of a class product. Were your students involved then with the actual exhibit as well that moved into the MCHA? Not as much, just because okay. the timing wasn't right. Much of what the students had done for the library exhibit did transfer over into ultimately this larger exhibit that we did. Some of their texts still sure. kind of exist, some of the artifacts they had picked out. But just because of the timing of the classes I was offering, because so much of the work for the MCHA exhibit was done over the summer, they were not as hands-on right. in that exhibit. That right. exhibit was co-curated by myself and Bernadette Rogoff, who is MCHA's curator of collections. Okay. Now, from what I understand in our kind of pre-interview before we came on here, you did the first floor, which deals with Springsteen's career and musical career. Tell us about what's on the second floor. Everything was really a team effort between okay. me and my dad and Meg Sharp Walton came on in the midst of this project as MCHA's new executive director other staff members at MCHA, Eileen, but I had primary responsibility for the first floor, which looks primarily at Bruce's career, first real band, the Castiles, up through the present. As you go up the stairs, you'll see an area dedicated to fans. It was very important to me that we include that. And then when you come into the second floor, which initially was not part of the plan, but kudos to MCHA, they said, if we have the opportunity to do a Bruce exhibit, we're going to go all in. We're going to do the yeah. second floor as well. The second floor really does a very deep dive into Bruce's family history in Freehold, dating back to the colonial period. So that ties into the name of this exhibit being Springsteen, his hometown, because right. there have been other Springsteen exhibits throughout the globe. You know, and I'm sure yeah. there will be in the future. But this one is very unique to the place because it brings together the collections of the Center for American Music at Monmouth University, Bruce himself, who loaned several items to us from his personal collection, and also MCHA. There right. are things there, Revolutionary War era documents that no other organization doing a Springsteen exhibit would have access to. Right. And right. that really local history piece comes to life for you on the second floor. 
So let's go back to the first floor for a second. I would guess the person who really loves Springsteen, but it's kind of like, eh, the other stuff, right? The first floor is where you kind of chronicle his musical career. All of that material there, and there's a lot of artifacts, there's posters, there's video, there's archival material, letters, and so forth. All of that stuff came from the Springsteen collection at Monmouth then, or was family involved with that, giving you some of that material? The material either comes from the Springsteen archives at Monmouth or from Bruce's collection. We're very fortunate you know, through the university to have a working relationship with Team Bruce, as I always yeah. call them. The guitars, for example, the clothing, the jewelry, those came to us directly from Bruce. Yeah. We were able to ask for certain things and then funnel it up through the chain. And these were items that we were permitted to use. Some of them that are directly from the archive, scrapbooks that Bruce's mom, Adele, lovingly pasted together when no one could have imagined that his career would take off in the way it could. That is from the archives at Monmouth. A lot of those very, very rare posters, we're talking like hand-drawn posters of the Castiles. Those are from the archives at Monmouth. So it is a, I think, wonderful way to showcase this incredible resource that is hidden right here in West Long Branch. The archives had a working relationship then through the years with the Springsteen family to get Adele Springsteen, who's Springsteen's mother, that scrapbook. She had given that at a previous time to the archives. Yeah, there are some items that have already been transferred from the Springsteen into the archives ownership. Yeah. Melissa, what's your favorite part of that? It's like asking what's your favorite Bruce song. Who's your favorite child? My goodness. Right. Um, (laughs) I have done so much press for this exhibit. And I swear, if you went back and listened, I'd probably say a different piece every time. Because it's hard to pick, right? You love everything. As a mother, I'm very attached to the scrapbooks. It melts my heart every time I think of you know, Adele Springsteen sitting there cutting out these newspaper articles just because she's proud of her little boy. She has no idea the accolades she's going to win, the Medal of Freedom, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She has no idea at the time what's going to happen. I love that. There's also this hysterical letter. It's on a wall. Oh, I love it. I know what you're talking about. The Springsteen's write to the record company, and they ask for a few extra free copies of this record (laughs) to give to their friends. And they're like, It's not Bruce's sister's favorite. She loves the Partridge family. And I just think it's hysterical. They're asking the record company for free records because to them, it's just a novelty that Bruce has a record. Doesn't she say something like, we don't want too many free records because we want to tell people to buy it, right? So sales will go up. (laughs) Yes, hysterical. And it's so personal. But again, I think this exhibit is unique and it is rare. For those of you listening, there's all kinds of these cool little things. Moving up the stairs then, you go up to the second floor and you said that's a kind of fan place. You get a chance to fill out a little fan mail card. I love that idea. And tell your favorite Bruce story. I actually wrote one to you, Melissa, in there. So I don't know if they'll show it to you, but I was like, great exhibit. I'm going to interview you in a week. I wrote, you you don't know me now. So yeah, you could look for that. But then you go up to the second floor where it's much more traditional. It's Bruce Springsteen meets local history, genealogy. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Just so you know, at the end of the exhibit, all of those fan mail cards will be entered into the archive. So they will become a part of Springsteen history too. Did you hear that? I'm in the Springsteen archive. You are. That's great. To your question, yes, because 
the timing of this exhibit is just wild. It, it was all coincidental, but it happened that this fall was Bruce's 70th birthday and Freehold Borough Centennial. Like, what are the odds? You know, initially, the upstairs was going to be completely separate. It was just going to be a celebration of Freehold Centennial. Ultimately, though, MCHA decided that this was too great an opportunity, so they kind of merged the two, and they used the Springsteen family's long history and genealogy to kind of showcase Freehold's history, Monmouth County's broader history that way. So in the one room, for lack of a better term, I'll call it the genealogy room, that's where you trace Springsteen's lineage all the way back to the 17th century Dutch. Do you know the story behind that, Melissa? He's Italian-Irish, but Springsteen is a Dutch name. How does that work? I always assumed he was kind of new immigrant, Irish and Italian. But he goes back to the 17th century. He has roots there. Was that his mother's side or something? Or I didn't get too much into the genealogy myself. That's all hats off to Bernadette Rogoff there. But he does in his autobiography and Springsteen on Broadway, he talks about the Irish Catholics influence on his life, Italian-American influence on his life. He doesn't really talk right. much about his Dutch roots. That yeah. is something that is carefully teased out for you there on the second floor. And it's indicative yeah. of really MCHA's bread and butter because they have, since the 19th century, been a resource covering the history of Mom County families. And so if you go there and you're jazzed about their ability to trace Springsteen's family history, well, okay, go there and use them to research your own, was the hope, I think, in in dedicating so much time to that. Now, what are some of the highlights of that room, or at least give me one big highlight of that room, maybe something that was a surprise as the curators. What is the highlight of the genealogy family history room? There's a highlight up there that I love it. Some people get a little confused about it. There is a Civil War era guitar up there. I don't know if you remember seeing that. I do. It's right in the corner. When you walk in, you go to the left, right? So a lot of people just saw the guitar and automatically assumed, oh, it belonged to one of Springsteen's relatives. It's actually not a Springsteen family guitar. That Civil War era guitar belonged to someone who served with a Springsteen in the American Civil War. That freehold man dies. His guitar is sent back. Uh, So I think it's an amazing local history piece, but it is not as directly tied to Springsteen family history as some people automatically project. Now, I don't know if you saw this. I think it might have been when Western Stars, the movie, came out. Springsteen was going around on the national late-night talk shows. He was on with Jimmy Kimmel, and he actually referenced the exhibit. We'll get to Springsteen when he showed up. I want to hear all about this. But he did mention that something in that room. Was it the guitar he mentioned? I did. We have a wonderful PR person who sends us every reference to the exhibit, so he's doing fabulous work. So that was the guitar he referenced. Seeing that show with Kimmel, I said to myself, you know, oh, I'm going to get to see a Springsteen family guitar. The signage is correct. It's just people aren't reading the signage closely enough. So I know that's something Bernadette was thinking about. So it may have been um, made more blatant in some way since I've last been there. I haven't been there since the exhibit opening. I keep in touch with the team via email, you know, for various and sundry things. But I'm back over on campus teaching my classes again. 
How far is West Long Branch from Freehold? I think we're like half an hour. Just curious. We decided to do a Springsteen-themed day when we were there, so we went to see the exhibit on Sunday, and I grew up in North Jersey. So Central Jersey is like South Jersey to me, right? Yeah. You know, it's the shore. We go down the shore, right? I grew up going to the beach in like the Point Pleasant, Seaside Heights, that area. I always assumed that Asbury Park was two minutes away from Freehold, but it, it was a good 30-minute drive. We yeah. went to the boardwalk yeah. and, you know, walked around and stuff. So the other room on the second floor is Bruce's experience growing up with institutions of freehold in the 1950s and 1960s. So you have things there about the school and his church, and then you kind of expand out even a little bit to talk more about the kind of neighborly or county places beyond freehold like Asbury Park and so forth. What can we expect if we go see the exhibit to find there? What are some highlights? You know, you kind of said it perfectly. It's about the institutions of Freehold. You know, it talks about, you know, his school and the rug mill where his father worked and got a typewriter there to represent his very proud, strong working mother. So that, again, is another room that really could uniquely take place in his hometown of Freehold, drawing upon these longstanding collections of the Monmouth County Historical Association. I was really struck by, as someone who does some American religious history, I was really struck by the Catholicism. That's a sort of ongoing theme in Springsteen studies, right? People like to talk about the kind of Catholic imagery and so forth. You know, you have like the Baltimore Catechism there and a attendance sheet or something from Catholic school. Were those all part of the Springsteen collection too? Or did you have to go digging in records of the diocese and stuff to find that? I can't speak to each individual item. I do know that there are a few items upstairs that did come from the Springsteen archives. So some of them are sprinkled upstairs as well. Some of the items are from MCHA's own collection. They did reach out to St. Rose. So St. Rose did offer some materials as well. Some of the items, too, came from Bruce's cousin. He's also featured in the video that's right, there. Right. So they came kind of indirectly from the Springsteen family, you know, not straight through us from the archive, but his cousin came and volunteered to participate in the process as well. It's interesting to me because, I mean, there's been sort of the memoir, right? You know, the Born to Run that just came out a couple of years ago or 2016. And then there's been a lot of really good books lately on Springsteen's musical career, right? We interviewed Mark Dolan on the show about 40 episodes ago, his book on Springsteen and the future of rock and roll. And then there's the music critic who wrote a pretty significant biography. But no historian has really written a biography of Springsteen. So I was imagining what would it be like to write those early years. And I would love to know if there were records from the diocese or the church or something which said how often he was an altar boy. That kind of everyday life of his Catholic childhood that so shaped and formed, I think, a lot of his music. That kind of idea hit me as I was looking at that one wall up there on the second floor. He is a source of never-ending fascination for many. Like you said, countless books. There is an International Bruce Springsteen Symposium that'll be taking place at Monmouth University in October 2020. I think there are still, after all these years and all these books, still many areas left to be explored. Yeah. Let's get to the fun part. Bruce Springsteen came and visited this museum. What was that like? He did. As opening night of Approached, there was a committee run out of MCHA, a group of very dedicated volunteers who were organizing an opening party called Dancing in the Dark. 
big tented affair. They had bands coming. And so that was all very exciting. But we didn't know if Bruce was going to come or not. He was, of course, invited. But we didn't know if he was going to come. You know, even I, you know, working through the Springsteen archives, did not know until that day if he was going to actually come. Yeah. Then we knew he would be in the States because his daughter, Jessica, she's a, an equestrian. She had an event mm-hmm. in New York. So we knew he was local. We still we didn't know until the last minute. What was it like in your office or wherever you were when you heard he was coming? Was there screaming and jumping up and down? Uh, and, well, <laughs> no, we had to keep our cool because we were in the middle of the event. So you found and, out in the middle of the event? Oh, yeah. He just showed up? Yes. So you didn't know um, like earlier in the day? or oh. Chapman, who I said is the director here for the archives at Monmouth, she got word, had told me to move into the building because the plan was that once he came into the building, they would kind of shut the building down. So we didn't have a mad rush of hundreds of people now trying to get in the building so he couldn't walk through. So he came in the building and I was able to be with Eileen and with Meg Sharp Walton, the director of MCHA and others to greet him as he walked in. And then Eileen Chapman and I walked him through the first floor, then took him upstairs. We kind of handed him off to Bernadette from NCHA, mm-hmm. who got to give him the tour of the second floor. Yeah. And it, it was wonderful. I mean, he was just extremely warm and generous and seemed very interested. You know, I... You know, you want to act like you're too cool, but who am I kidding? I was blown away. Did he kind of gravitate towards any particular part of your exhibit, the first floor? Was there anything he hadn't maybe seen before, or was he surprised by anything, or was it more like, oh, yeah, I remember that? I I was just surprised at how long it took him to get through the gallery. He didn't just breeze through. He really, he was stopping. He was reading. He was looking at captions. Knock on wood. I felt like he was enjoying himself like he was happy with things. So he obviously liked the exhibit. He liked it enough that he jumped on stage. That must have been an incredible amount of satisfaction, too, for you to have the actual guy come in and do that, right? That's a public historian's dream. It was wild. I keep telling people, my career is over. Where do I go from here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, our time's just about up here, Melissa, so thank you for your time. The exhibit is Springsteen, His Hometown, It is at the Monmouth County Historical Association in Freehold, and it runs until, am I right to say, September 2020? We're thinking even a little longer, possibly through December. So get there soon and then get there again. And they can visit SpringsteenHisHometown.com to get all of the details on when the exhibit will close. Definitely through September, possibly even later fall of 2020. Reception has just been amazing. The numbers have been like nothing MCHA has ever seen before. So it's been very gratifying. Well, when I was there, it was a Sunday afternoon. And I would say there were about maybe 25 people there wandering around. It was enough so that there were those sort of awkward moments where you knew someone was waiting for you to finish reading. You know, it wasn't packed, but it was that. You don't normally see at a county historical society. Is there any plans to take this beyond just this run here in Monmouth County? Any plans to take it on the road or anything like that? We do not have any plans at this time. There are no concrete plans yet, but I think long-term they'd like to build a dedicated facility somewhere here at Monmouth for the archives to include a display space. So people can just stay tuned for hopefully announcements on that going forward. Okay, and the website again is? SpringsteenHisHometown.com. SpringsteenHisHometown.com. 
Melissa Ziobro, thank you so much for taking some time for joining us and congratulations on the exhibit. This was great fun. Thank you for having me. Well, we've done a Springsteen episode before, back in episode nine with Mark Dolan. This is our second Springsteen episode. I thought it went really well. Thoroughly enjoyed talking with Melissa Ziobro. She is a really talented public historian, Bruce fan, and a really, really passionate person about bringing history to public life. If you get a chance, that exhibit is going to be in Freehold until the fall of 2020. Get out there and see it if you're passing through that area or heading down to the New Jersey shore. You know, it makes a nice little day. We went down there for the further day. We took about an hour or two in the exhibit. We went to the Battle of Monmouth Park, walked around a little bit there, and spent the rest of the day on the Asbury Park boardwalk. There's a lot to do in Freehold. You know, this makes a nice little day trip if you're in that area or if you're just kind of visiting the Mid-Atlantic and you're a Springsteen fan. So thanks for listening. And until we talk next time, may your way of improvement always lead home. This has been a production of The Way of Improvement Leads Home, a blog dedicated to reflections at the intersection of American history, religion, politics, and academic life. Visit us at thewaveimprovement.com. The Way of Improvement Leads Home is a member of the Recorded History Podcast Network. Check out the other podcasts on the network by heading over to recordedhistory.net. If you want to support our efforts, please rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcatcher of choice so others may more easily find this podcast. And let's continue the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Follow us at TWOILH Podcast. The podcast was brought to you through the generous support of Gretchen Adams, Richard Green, Margaret Graves, Kate Logan, Lisa DeGuardi, and Ron Schooler. Also, many thanks to our sponsor, Jennings College Consulting, discovering the right college fit for your future. The podcast was recorded at the High Center Studios of Messiah College. Thanks to Ed Ark for his continued support. Original music is by Overholt. Many thanks to our guest, Melissa Ziobro. Our studio producer is Casey Lehman. I've been your producer, Drew Durley-Hermeling, and your host is John Fia.